Welcome to the Serie A Show. Hello, everybody. We are back with another episode of the City Show. I hope you're all doing very, very well. Chloe, Nima, how are you two? Yeah, fine, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well. Good. So uh, it is unfortunately another instance where instead of talking results and talking performances on the pitch, we first have to start out with uh, the episode that frankly has caught the attention of the footballing world, both in and outside of Italy. Um this this racist incident that happened to Mario Balotelli. So, Chloe, if for those of you who didn't see what happened or didn't hear or read about what happened, Chloe, could you just give a brief, uh, just a brief background as to what took place um, in the match between Brescia and uh, Hellas Verona? Um, okay, so uh, Balotelli, he was um... He was down near the corner flag, near the um, near the curva with the Hellas fans. Um, the the clips show that he suddenly is very clearly upset by something, um, and he kicks the ball really high into the stand, and then starts to leave the pitch and just walk away um, towards the dugout. So you know, as if to say. I'm, I'm not playing anymore. Um, lots of his teammates uh, surround him. They they grab hold of him uh, and, you know, try and talk to him. And eventually, he did leave the field of play, but eventually they talk him round into rejoining the match. Um, and from, from looking at this uh, video, it's pretty clear that he's upset because he's been racially abused, um, which unfortunately isn't the first time it's happened to Balotelli. We know it's not the first time it's happened in Italy it's happened at lots of stadiums this season um and then you know there was this big big row afterwards um Ivan Juric you know saying that you know it was nothing there didn't hear anything um the Hellas uh, owner saying that um Veronese people are not racist and, and denying it happened and at the same time you know a video circulates on social media where you can clearly hear the monkey chanting um so you know it's it's not like it's a case of um you know it's one person's word against another there were very very clear monkey chants and and Ironically, the person that put the video from in the stands onto social media was using it as proof that there wasn't racism when there very clearly was. So, um, you know, it's it's just a yet another incident that's completely blown up. But because Balotelli is um, famous outside of Italy, I think it's got a little bit more attention perhaps than some of the other things that have happened recently. Yeah, and Nima, that wasn't you know where the episode really ended because what happened with one of the ultras from Verona? What, because he had um, quite an interesting statement following this. Yeah, he went to. He decided that of course he was gonna take the situation and make it a thousand times worse by calling into uh, the um, by calling into a local radio station in Verona and where they, or they, they, I think they called him up and asked him about this situation. And he decided to, to push his luck a little bit um, by saying that nothing's going to happen. 
uh, you'll see that nothing will happen to Verona fans because we did nothing. He kept contradicting himself 17 times, saying that, well, there was only five people, 10 people, seven people doing this, and then saying Balotelli imagined this. So either people were doing it or they weren't doing it, but but he couldn't he couldn't really follow that line. Um, this is the, and then he ended it up with using the N word and being very brass about it, saying we're not racist. We have an N in our uh, in our own team. And when he scored, all of Verona applauded. The radio guy said, "Why stop using that word?" And he said, "What are you going to do? Call the secret police? There's nothing wrong with the N word." Um, and, um, well, apparently it seems that Hellas Verona think there is something wrong with the N-word, as do most sane human beings. Uh, and so they gave him a ten and a half year ban um, uh, until the end of June Thank 2030. Goodness. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I've actually been some yeah, action. Yeah. It, you know. Yeah, and let's. But the thing is, I don't want to be. You know, I don't. I don't want to be negative here because I think it's really good that they did something. But I hope that they stick to this. That he really is yeah. gone for ten and a half years. This is a guy. This is a guy who, when Hellas Verona were promoted, started singing songs praising Rudolf Hess and Adolf Hitler. He is a he is a politician for a party called Forza Nuovo, who's a neo-Nazi party. Um, the, the, this guy is is pure scum. Uh, he is a Nazi, and uh, I, you know, it, it, it seems that the, 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 this, this, this is where the line was crossed. Uh, but let's not forget that, what re, you know, aside from this idiot doing what he did, um, let's remember that, in, uh, let's also remember that Ivan Juric and the president of Verona both went out and said nothing happened, nothing happened. They could have said you know, and not only that, Juric said that let's not spread lies and let's not spread fake news. You know, that, there's no need for that. They could have just said we didn't hear it. But to say that it's fake news and it's lies makes says that Mario Balotelli is a liar. And then the video went viral of him absolutely not being a, being a, a liar. So this was very poorly handled by Verona. I personally think this is a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think that... Um, and also, Hellas Verona were given a partial stadium ban and fine. Um, I let me put it to you this way: I'm glad it's happened, but let's see if it really is uh, is enforced as well. I hope this guy doesn't see the inside of a stadium for another ten and a half years, for sure. So that was sort of my my next question: Do we expect any significant changes to come from this? Because really, this is the first time where we have had a player actually walk off like this, which uh, mixed with being such a high-profile player like Mario Baratelli is, I, I think this is an opportunity for us to see some actual concrete change. But do we think that we'll, uh, we'll just continue as is and things will go back? <laughs> it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because we know how deep-rooted it is and we know um, that a, a real change is, is going to take some time because this is something that's very deep-rooted. It's institutionalised. It's... Um, it's it's going to take a lot of re-education and a lot of um, changes to be made before anything anything like what needs to happen can happen. Um, however, uh, I think it's we can't um, we can't moan about them never doing anything and then continue to moan when they actually do something. They they have done something and it's a baby step, but it is a good step in my opinion and. Um, you know, I think with it being a player like Balotelli and the fact that he did leave the field of play and, and really brave of him to do so, um, you know, it, it at least has caused the right kind of um, the right kind of fuss and the right kind of noise to actually 
give them the nudge that they needed to to act a little bit more strongly. And, and I think as well, the teams um, with uh, American owners uh, like Roma spoke out about it on their Twitter and Fiorentina, I think, replied to that tweet and, and echoed that sentiment on their English Twitter. So, you know, small, small changes, but at least at least it's something. I mean, we don't want to be talking about this. We don't want to be hearing about this every week. Um, but at least there's, at least it's not all negative this time. I want to praise Balotelli. I think he did the exact. I think he did exactly the right thing. Yeah. I think he reacted the correct way. He walked off and said, "I'm not standing for it." And I think he should be applauded for that. And I think that the Brescia players and the Hellas Verona players, who all validated what he said and and tried to talk to him to calm him down and 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 tell the referee what was going on, I think that was that was really nice to see as well. Um, as I said, I don't want to be negative, but I don't. I, I hope that this is enforced. I hope this guy doesn't see the inside of a stadium for the next ten and a half years. I hope that um, this is uh, this. The, you know, I hope that this this is enforced. No. I wouldn't hold my breath, but um, you know, let's let's see what happens. It's. It, I'm glad that it happened. I'm. I'm. I'm think it's. I think it's good that they they quickly um, gave this guy a. A, a a ban, but I want to see more cohesive, and uh, I want to see more cohesive action. I want to see more. I want to see action that is 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 not just a knee jerk reaction uh, that crumbles to public pressure. I want to see them do something about this long term because this is this is not just a problem. This is a problem all over the city. Ah, I, yeah, I, I agree with that, Nima. And I also, um, about Balotelli and, and how he should be praised for what he did. And I also would like to draw attention to a post on his Instagram um, that was a video of some young black children. And they were all um, saying, I love Balotelli and, you know, things like that. And to to see the joy on their faces and to see what they were saying, to watch that and think, how could you racially abuse somebody? And how could you not, how could that not, that kind of video not touch the humanity in you? And, and how could you be so close to, you know, to, to something that, you know, common humanity that we're all the same and that we, you know, children are, are all share the same joy for football and, and all of that stuff. And, I, you know, I think that was a really smart thing of him to do because it shows people up for what they are, which is awful. Um, and I just I just thought that that was a really great response too because it, it does show people up. Balotelli really is a lovely guy. So to see this happen to him again and again is just so frustrating. Um, but hopefully, again, as, as we said earlier, hopefully some good can come out of this because, at least in my opinion, this feels like one of those moments where it's the catalyst for change. But obviously, that will remain to be seen. Um, so getting back to the pitch, there were two pretty notable matches at the weekend. We had Roma-Napoli, and then we had the derby between Torino and Juve. So let's start with uh, Roma-Napoli. Uh, Nima, what did you make of this one? Because um, I was sort of surprised to the degree in which Roma were significantly better in this. I would say out of the 90 minutes, Roma were probably the better team for about 60 to 65 minutes. 
really the only stretch that Napoli were in control was after uh, Alexander Kolorov missed the penalty. Meret with a good save. I thought Kolorov telegraphed it a little bit, but nonetheless, Meret still saved it. Um, Napoli were in control for about, uh, you know, 20, maybe 30 minutes after that. But beyond that, I thought Roma were squarely the better side. Yeah. I think um, I think Roma were the better the better side uh, throughout the game, and it was really impressive to see. Uh, I think now I mean I think the scoreline almost uh, flattered Napoli a little bit because I think that Roma should have should have won by more goals. Um, um, but 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 having said that, th- this was a comfortable win despite um, the, the scoreline. Uh, I think this was a comfortable win for Roma and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about Zaniolo who has has had this kind of rebirth ever since uh, Fabio Capello gave him a little bit of stick <laughs> which was taken not so well uh, in, in Rome uh, <laughs> if we put it that way. His mother went completely apeshit and uh, Roma as well and I've looked at what he said and all, all, all Capello said was, was that he just he said that he doesn't want Esposito to go down the path that Zaniolo had done, um, which is kind of why he was kicked out of the national team. Uh, and, and young players make mistakes, and I don't think it was more dramatic that, that, than that. But obviously when Capello, with the presence and power he has at Roma, having won the Scudetto there and, and being Capello, uh, when he says something like that, he gives he has, it has effects, it has ripple-on effects. And I wonder if this is not actually good for him. I mean, my, my thoughts were I, I didn't understand what Capello meant by that to begin with. I thought it was a stupid thing to say. Um, I don't know where he was going <laughs> where he was going with that, the point he was trying to prove. Do I think it was maybe blown out of proportion? Yes, but I mean, from a from a Roma supporter pers- Roma supporter perspective, I mean, if that's going to spur and motivate Zaniolo to continue this form that he's been on, I'm I'm surely not going to complain. Um, I do think, again, it was blown out of proportion a little bit, but that's okay. I mean, Capello hasn't really spoken much sense for the last few years anyway. Um, Anybody who watches him on Sky Sport, um, I find him to be very dry and boring. He really doesn't offer much. So I I take what he says with a grain of salt to begin with. But, yeah, I thought Zaniolo was great. I mean, for me, the biggest takeaway from Zaniolo is he's playing on the right wing and he's performing uh, incredibly well. Last season... Andre Di Francesco, Capello, or I'm sorry, Di Francesco and Ranieri, when he was thrown out on the right wing and he wasn't playing in that preferred role behind the striker in the hole, he did not perform well at all. In fact, there would be times where you forget he was even on the pitch. So, yeah, to see him doing this in a, a crucial, crucial, uh, notable match, I think is very important. I th- again, I said it in the last episode, but Gianluca Mancini, oh my God. Um, Roma, the, he, he, Roma took a lot of criticism for buying him because a lot of people thought, okay, he lost his place at Atalanta in the later stages of the season. Um, you're buying somewhat of an unknown quantity. Um, I'm sorry, we could easily make the case he's been Roma's one or two best players. And Chris Smalling, again, another guy Roma took a lot of stick for purchasing. I, I, I can't say enough about him. Chloe, I, I know you've tweeted about him. I mean, he's been sensational, sensational. Yeah, and and um, just as we'd been tweeting about him, and you know, I sat down to watch that match, and and again, he's he was just superb. I mean, that goal line clearance—it was almost an overhead kick, really. And 
um, that saved the day. And it was just exactly the same again. And and also, I know you tweeted it, John, the um, the pass from Mancini to Zaniolo as well was absolutely superb. Um, and it's good to see these these players now um, thriving, really. Um, you know, I think Lukaku and Smalling are, are perhaps proof that um, the atmosphere at Manchester United isn't very good because they've both come to Serie A and really blossomed. Um, but also the fact that Mancini is, is a young player and he's he's now doing well in, and in a makeshift position too. It's not really his natural position, but because of Roma's injury crisis, he's he's played there and is now you know really good. So it, it, it's, it's nice to see that after a lot of doom and gloom and... Um, you know, a lot of kind of mental weakness that that Roma are really not only mentally tough, but playing really well, which actually is the exact opposite of Napoli. <laughs> yeah, so going to the other side of this, I, I think clearly that is a talking point now. Nima, I, I, I mean, what what do we make of this Napoli side? Because it is, it, it, it's so confusing because without question, as I said in the previous episode, I, I would think a lot of us, peg them to be one of the sides that will challenge Juve for a potential Scudetto. And now they find themselves outside of a Champions League place. I see a lot of people blaming that Ancelotti not being on the bench had a lot to do with this result. I think that's a little too easy of an, of an excuse because this isn't as if the first time they haven't gotten a result this season. No, it isn't, and it's also. But it, I think the, there is. It's clear that Ancelotti's relationship with ADL is not what anyone could have foreseen, uh, and not even Ancelotti himself. It's clear that Ancelotti is not happy with life in Naples. He's very annoyed. Um, you know, one one particular thing that I read a lot into is the fact that AD Aurelio De Laurentiis calls a retiro. Uh, gets all the players in there, but Ancelotti makes a public statement and and makes a makes a statement out of the fact by that's uh, out of the fact that he's that he wants to point out that he doesn't believe that that a retiro is 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 the right thing to do. That is a huge huge issue because uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis does not accept his employees going against him in the past. He's never accepted that. He's the padrone, he decides, and whoever goes against him is not long-lived at Napoli. We saw it with Sarri, we saw it with Mazzarri, we saw it with, with so many... Uh, of, of, uh, big, we've seen it with Junto, we've seen it with pretty much everyone who's been there, that as soon as they don't, they, they just step a little bit outside of what De Laurentiis wants, they're out of there. And I think what we're watching now is the beginning of the end of the Ancelotti-Napoli marriage. Um, I, I wonder if, if, he, if he'll even stay the season out. I wonder if he'll even see the season out uh, because there, there are issues also with Insigne, the, the system isn't working. Um, but then now you're starting to, now, now they're starting to make, uh, you know, um, these, these statements where they contradict each other. I, I think we're watching the the beginning of the end here. So you think it's that dramatic then? Oh yeah, I mean, based on I mean, I'm just going on what what they've done in the past. And De La, De La Rentis does not accept people going against him. He's the boss. He's the one who decides, and everyone has to accept that. And when when you when you challenge him on anything, and this is not just anything. This is a big thing. The Retiro issue is a big thing. The fact that De La Rentis go, you know. 
it's clear that Ancelotti feels that De Laurentiis has gone over his head by calling a retiro when he doesn't feel a retiro is necessary and he wants to retaliate by publicly making it known that he that it was not his idea and he doesn't think it's a good idea that's that's actively taking on your president and that is a, that is not a president who who appreciates these kinds of situations at all if 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 previous behavior is anything to go by Chloe, what do you make of their situation? No, I mean we've we've discussed it so many times um, since you know since it became clear that Napoli were going to struggle. Um, it, it's almost like they've they've won this one match against Liverpool, and that's kind of been a bit of a smokescreen, really, because every other every other match they've played, they've they've just been terrible. Um, I agree with Nima that. It does seem like the relationship is pretty broken. I, you know, I I was really shocked at Ancelotti's words because they were very, very, um, they were very sort of um, outspoken. Really, they they he, he just he didn't mince his words. He just said it, and he said he wasn't happy with this Retiro. And when we were discussing it last week, and we were saying that we couldn't put our fingers on what exactly was going wrong. I, I was sort of thinking as we were saying it that I wonder if Antolotti is fed up with working for De Laurentiis because you think of the clubs he's been at in the past and, you know, clubs like um, Milan in the glory years, he's been at Chelsea, he's been at Real Madrid, he's been at Bayern Munich and all those clubs are run very professionally, very sensibly, um, in a very modern way. And then you think about Napoli and the way that De Laurentiis runs things and the way that he goes about things. It makes you wonder if Ancelotti is is getting fed up. Uh, I mean, he, cl- he clearly is because <laughs> he had his outburst. But that's what I was thinking last week. I wonder if he's getting fed up with De Laurentiis. And then it kind of proved me right when when that happened this week. So, I yeah, I I think that that is most certainly a factor and and. Maybe it is a a really stark contrast to how he's been used to working um, in the past at these very professional clubs. Now, what about the other side? Roma, again, Chloe, you you said something in our previous episode about them. But for me, they truly feel like they have adopted sort of this identity of Paolo Fonseca. We we were told all preseason, this guy loves attacking football. The best defense for Roma is going to be their attack. We're going to see a lot of 4-2, to 5-4s, to fours, blah, blah, blah. Uh, lo and behold, their defense has been sensational. Um, they've been, in my opinion, extremely balanced. And I want to I want to raise Gianluca Mancini as well, because I think that he should be the new midfielder. I think maybe... Uh, Maybe Roma shouldn't have bought Diavara because uh, Gianluca Mancini in that role is simply stunning, uh, and I think that's where he should play. And I and I tweeted out uh, that maybe the two seven two is not a bad idea for Italy to play, given the amazing central midfielders that it, that they seem to have right now with Sensi, Barella, Castrovilli, Jorginho, uh, and now Gianluca Mancini and Tonali. I mean, it's it's just it's just a plethora of these amazing central midfielders, and Gianluca Mancini for sure is one of them. Um, but no, I, I I I really really like what what Fonseca has done there. He you know in the beginning he had you know this is, you could see that there were, there were, he had some troubles finding the balance and they leaked a lot of goals. 
but he found he's found that balance now, and and, and now Veretu is scoring goals, and now uh, Chengiz Under is back, and more and more of these injured players are coming back. Javier Pastore looks like the Javier Pastore who left Palermo almost a decade ago. Uh, it, it's it's finally coming to coming together for him, and and I honestly think that. Roma, if they continue like this, they they're not going to finish fourth. They're going to finish third um, because Napoli, Napoli, I think are are going to struggle, uh, which leaves that that fourth position open. And and that to me is, you know, it's not it's not it's not a coincidence that Lazio are there. It's not a coincidence that Atalanta are there. But um, no, I, I look at Roma's squad. Uh, you know, getting back to what you asked, I I look at that squad and I see a very balanced squad. I see. I see a squad that once the injured players come back is 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 showing that they have a coach and they have a system that is good enough to play, uh, to to be to be to 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 fight fight for the top four positions without a doubt and and a mercato in January and 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 next summer that could that could even they could maybe start looking upwards. Yeah, I agree. Hey, real quick, let's take a brief break to mention our sponsor for this episode, my bookie. Hey, NBA fans, I know we have a lot of you who are listening to this podcast. The NBA season is just starting, and now is the perfect time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite NBA action every single week. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. And the best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all of your favorite picks. So use promo code LATEFEES to activate this offer. Again, that's promo code LATEFEES, L-A-T-E-F-E-E-S, to double your cash. You can get started by going to mybookie.ag today. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid with mybookie. Chloe, it was Torino Juve and more more refereeing controversy from this one. Delict, I don't know what is with this guy and his hands, if he has magnets in his hands, but once again, <laughs> I, I, can, I can't even explain it because I've lost the words for it. Um, I thought a very clear handball not being given against him. Was that your view of it too? Or did you think maybe you could understand why they let that one go? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because um, derby matches are, are notoriously, you know, highly charged and there's a lot of feelings running high. Um, I think... I think it probably was a handball. I think his arms are more by his sides than in pre- on previous occasions. But, you know, the rule is that they, they have to be exactly by your side. They can't be away from your body at all. And um, I think Napoli might have, uh, sorry, Roma might have pointed to the fact that, was it Callihan's handball that was very similar that right. was given? And then that one wasn't. Yeah, that was it. Um but all in all, I have to say, handballs aside, if we ignore the controversy, that it was actually a really enjoyable derby match. Yeah. I think I think it was a rip-roaring, you know, Torino were, um, after that 4-0 loss to Lazio, when they could have just turned up and been really sort of heads down and limp, they were they were tough in the tackle, they were exactly like a, um, a Matsari side that you would expect 
um, they've they really they really fought hard against Juve, and I think that they can feel a little bit disappointed that they didn't at least get a point out of it because I think they deserved it really on on balance. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I definitely think so. I think that's a good, that's a fair assessment. Um, no, but but having, uh, I, I I just I just can't stop thinking about how this Champions League race while you were talking there, and it's just how, who's going to be there and who's not going to be there because going into the season, you know, uh, we we I we none of us had Atalanta going in there, um, and and then I had Roma. Some some people didn't, uh, but but I, I just think it's so interesting to see because with Napoli basically imploding, Milan. I don't know what what we can call what Milan is doing. It's an explosion, implosion. It's a disintegration, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, and and then and then Lazio just being an enigma um, week in week out. You don't know what to expect. They, sometimes they perform so damn well. You think this this team is good enough to to even challenge for third spot, and then they just completely crash. It's 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 one of those situations that happens every five six years in a league where where a lot of teams are, you know, they're, they're, they're all in, it's the times they are a changing Serie A style, pretty much. A lot of teams are like in the new projects. Uh, you don't really know what's going to happen, who's going to, where, where everyone is going. And you can see, you can say the same about the relegation race. I mean, just look at how tight it is from the last position all the way up to, to eight, to, to 14, 13. It's like two, three points. It's, it's really, really, really close um, Serie A in terms of you know if you look at the different parts of the table, the bottom uh, the, the bottom teams the Udinese's the Genoa's they're they're not as strong as they used to be whilst the Brescia's Lecce's Hellas they're looking better than anyone expected. Um, then you have the mid table section uh, which is completely open. You have a Cal Cagliari who's who's fighting for a European place. Now it's it's a very it's a very interesting Serie A. It's a really really interesting Serie A. Well, that's a good segue because. To end it here, I, I want to talk about Milan Lazio. Very, um, that was a very odd one. Um, again, Milan though they can't come away with a victory, and that was Lazio's first win away to Milan since 1989. So, again, Pioli post match, he didn't seem nearly as pessimistic as maybe I thought he would be. But Chloe, we. I, I just don't know what to make of them. Again, I, I thought from the onset, the appointment of Pioli sort of just signals this almost as if you're, you're, you're waving the white flag on the season. And since his appointment, the results certainly haven't arrived. Well, no. Um, <laughs> we thought he'd come in and steady the shit, but he's actually not even done that. I mean, the performances, I have to say, have been better than they were under Gianpaolo. But, but Very um, there were... I have to say, when he was at Fiorentina, it, even in the latter stages, where they just kept drawing all the time and they couldn't really score from open play, there were spells where they, they played quite nice football, but they just couldn't get the results. And, you know, it's all very well being able to to play well, but you've you've got to get the points on the board, especially for a team like Milan. And I just, I just think they're in such a mess and I'm not sure that... Purely is going to be able to sort it out, and you know, talk about out of the frying pan and into the fire. They play Juve this week, so I just—it's really, really hard to even say anything about it because it's literally—it is that bad. Yeah, I think so too. Nima, though, it's—it's another instance from Lazio where 
I, I, I thought without question, I had Milan pegged for the three points without question because Lazio, again, hadn't had won there in 30 years. But here we go. Another another strong performance from them. Ciro Immobile. I mean... Great player. Oh. You know, Ciro, Ciro, deserve, Ciro deserves more respect. I mean, when you score this much goals, he scored 100 goals now for Lazio. That was his 100th goal against Milan for Lazio. Um, he's going to win. He's, he's looking like he's going to... He could actually beat Gonzalo Higuain's record of 36 goals in one season. He's looking... He's, he's definitely on way to do that. He's, he's en route to becoming maybe the European Golden Boot winner, for crying out loud. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane what he's doing right now. And he's working so well in Lazio. I hope... Uh, I mean, a lot of people... I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, you know, he's, he's from Naples. He used to be play for Napoli or whatever... Uh, Napoli needs a goal scorer. No, stay. Don't listen to that. Stay at Lazio, Ciro. Don't move. Stay at Lazio where it works for you. Where, where you know they're 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 a good sized club. They play a football that suits you. You're a starter there. You score a lot of score a lot of goals there. Please don't do a uh, Giampaolo. Don't 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 bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, Chloe. You, you yeah, Chloe. You brought this up in the last one. I I mean for me. Immobile would be insane to leave because we saw what happened in Germany with him. We saw what happened in Spain with him. Sometimes there are just players who adapt well to a certain place, maybe a bit of a smaller club, but there's there, there's no shame in that, yeah? I, I mean, just enjoy where you are. Yeah, if it's if if it isn't broke, don't try and fix it. You know, he's he's um he's the kind of player that you know, against Fiorentina, I keep going back to this, but he he was he was just rubbish for most of the match, and then he comes out and and he he's able to bag goals nonetheless off the back of that. And you know, he, you can't argue with his goal scoring rate; he's been absolutely excellent. And if it's working at Lazio, then it would be mad for him to move. I mean, you've seen we've seen what has happened with Insigne in, in recent months, and um you know, over sort of this season and last season that it's it's a bit stifling when you're when you are Neapolitan to play in Naples, I think. And um he's he's now Insigne has got very tied up with all the politics and what's going on and and he's you know he's reportedly not happy with Ancelotti and all that kind of stuff. So Immobile doesn't want to be getting in with all that local politics because I think it'll distract him from his game and uh, you know just just stay where you are. Nima, I'm assuming, I, I know you just said it, but he would be crazy to leave, right? Yeah, no, it, it, it would be crazy. I think he should stay there. And, 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 but the thing is, though, and I got to say, I don't, I don't think, you know, but I don't think that Simone Inzaghi should stay beyond this season. I really think that if Milan have half, if, if someone who has half a functioning brain left in that club still get Simone Inzaghi because he has shown that he is an exciting coaching prospect and and what better what better like I mean what better chance or situation than having him come in there as as a young coach trying to build something in a club that is trying to build something I mean he was a great player he play he, you know he, he knows what it is to play at the highest level, he can handle big, big characters. Um, to me, he Milan should get Mil, Milan should do their best to get um, 
uh, Simone Inzaghi for next season as a coach, but not Ciro Immobile. I think Ciro Immobile should stay. 100%. I absolutely agree with you. So that is where we are going to end this episode. We will be back later in the week with our preview episode. So please keep an eye out for that. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.